I'm Katherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. We're talking about the little discussed subjects related to the church. One of those subjects is sex. As we've been addressing sex and sexuality on the Uncertain podcast, we've also been addressing purity culture, a movement that's led to secrecy, shame, and misinformation about sex and sexuality. Because of its use of God in the Bible to motivate with fear and shame, this can definitely fall into the category of spiritual abuse. You can catch up on the discussion so far by visiting tearsofeden.org slash purityculture and listening to episodes 20, The Sex Education You Never Got with Kim Cavill, and episode 21, The Sexually Healthy Man with Andrew Bowman. Now, today's episode wasn't actually planned as a part of this series. However, after episode 21 was published, I realized there was a huge missing piece of this conversation that I honestly have never heard addressed in the church, and that is the conversation around what to do with our sexuality when we're not having sex. So I called up my friend Heather Gargas and asked her to discuss this with me. Heather is a trauma therapist based in St. Louis, and you can hear more of her story in Episode 5, Monsters Under the Pew. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'd love to hear what you think. All our contact info is in the show notes, and you can follow us on Instagram at Uncertain Podcast. Now, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that season one is very shortly coming to a close. We still have a few episodes left, and we're actively recording season two, which will begin airing in January. I'd love your feedback on future episodes, either topics that haven't been addressed yet or topics you'd love to explore more. Addressing the topic of purity culture actually came out of conversations with listeners like you. Be sure to sign up for the mailing list on tearsofeden.org so you can find out how to leave suggestions for future topics. You can also send me a direct message on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review of the Uncertain Podcast. In true uncertain podcast fashion, we're addressing a topic that, honestly, I have never heard this addressed. I don't think I've ever heard it addressed. I've been to so many relationship conferences, so many dating conferences. I've been in parenting classes. I've been in youth classes. I've been in marriage classes. I've been sex conferences. And I think the last one I went to was like, three years ago and and people were asking this question they weren't asking it like directly nobody stood up and said hey i want to be celibate until i get married and what do i do with my sex drive in the meantime nobody said that if they did in a group of a thousand people that would have taken some serious balls but they were asking the question and they were like asking it kind of sideways and it wasn't answered. And I walked into the office after the conference, I walked in the office of the woman who put the conference on and invited the speaker. And I was like, listen, I had one question and you didn't answer it. But it's important because there are so many reasons why someone isn't having sex that have nothing to do with like religiosity or choosing to be celibate 
for biblical reasons or religious reasons like postpartum recovery, widowhood, recent widowhood, recent divorces, pain while having sex, asexuality, where you just don't have any desire to have sex, um, sexual trauma. There are so many reasons why people aren't having sex and we're not getting married at 21 anymore. That's just right. not happening anymore. So we need to talk about this. I'm so glad that you're going to talk about it with me. Do you want to know how courageous you are for doing this? I'm like, who would have this conversation with me? Heather. Heather will have this conversation with me. Yeah, I love and this conversation came out of last week on the Tuesday night I called you because I had this thought about sexual abuse and purity yep. culture and the correlation. And yep. then this week on Tuesday night, I was like, hey, will you do a podcast with me about what to do with your sexuality when you're not having sex? Oh, and I yes. So I'm so excited. Any initial thoughts as we start? I mean, I think that, yeah, you're spot on that this is a topic that is not shared. And I think specifically in the church, you know, we are, we talk about purity and waiting before marriage and those types of things when we're in youth group. But then once we're out of youth group, it never shows back up again. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, now I'm a 31-year-old who's still single, who has a sex drive, who, you know, ha- who's heterosexual. And like, wow, like, you know, it's been about 15 years since anybody has like <laughs> entered into this conversation with me. So that's kind of my initial uh, thoughts. And I'm excited to talk about this. I think that this is a place that we can definitely really be curious and explore. And so thanks for inviting me with this. Yes. I'm just thinking of like the people that I've sat with there who are just like, fuck, like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And usually it's people with a specific sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, like there are a number of reasons why people are not having sex and we're still fully sexual beings. What are some things that have come up with you just with the clients or with, you know, seminary? What are some, some of the things that come up in these conversations? Do you have any of these conversations? <laughs> Because we do have them. We have them. We just don't have them in church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say that in terms of seminary or Christian circles, this seems a little taboo to, mm. to go into, to be like, oh, like, what do I do with my sexuality? How, like, with my sex drive? before marriage, especially if I'm older, if I'm hitting my late twenties, early thirties, mid thirties, late thirties, and the list could go on. It seems like that a lot of people who are older, who would be mentors to those that are asking this question, it it seems as if they don't know. Yep. 
they don't know how to enter into that conversation. The, the line that I hear sometimes is like, yeah, you're just waiting until you're married. And I'm like, great, great. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know that. Like, I, I, I know that. Um, and also. And? <laughs> how, do we, how do we talk a little bit more about this? That I think is, it's just something that's not talked a ton about. I feel like outside of that, there's more room for expression. There's more room, like outside of the, at least in my own experience, it, it seems as if there's more room outside of the church and church culture to, to explore what does this mean for me as I am in my 30s, not married. There are more, it's not as taboo to talk about sex and sexuality and sexual drive and being a sexual being Mm -hmm. as as it is in more of the conservative cultures so that is just something i've noticed a lot and when you proposed this question it's like yeah like there are some people that i can like really dive into this with but like could that have been my mentors or church members that I've been a part of. And there's just a part of me that's like, yeah, I've tried in the past in my twenties and it just kind of is like, okay, just stay absent until you're married. And it's like, well, okay. And the answer that's given is okay. So there's the, uh, shoot, I meant to look up the verse, but it's in First Corinthians, I think, better to marry than to burn. And so that is the answer. Like, get married. Get married. That's the answer. Get married. And reality is we have to acknowledge scripture is much more complex than we give it credit for. It's yeah. much more nuanced than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And there are some pretty significant biblical people who never got married jesus yeah Yeah. he's pretty (laughs) and i think it was in seminary when someone first suggested jesus was a sexual being and i was like oh you're right for some reason i just thought that part of him didn't exist i don't know why probably because of purity culture he was a human he was fully human yeah Yeah, we don't want to we don't want to think about that Right, right. How does that resonate with you? Thank you, Jesus said. <laughs> sexual being. Let's just let's just sit with I mean, that for a minute. You know, part of me feels like, man, I wish I had a seminary class on just that. Oh. You know, on and yeah, there definitely I would, you know, I will say that there definitely if I went to one of my professors today and said Hey, talk to me a little bit about Jesus being a sexual being. I'm sure that they would be able to go into some parts of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you say Jesus is a sexual being, I I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me more about w- w- what that means exactly. And tell me more about can we talk more about the struggles that he might've had? Mm-hmm. Because though, yes, Jesus was perfect. It doesn't mean that he didn't struggle. Exactly. 
and being a single who's not having sex, but we can even speak to those who are married, who something might be going on in their marriage and they're not having sex. It could be a scenario where the wife, I'm just making this up. So disclaimer, um, this could get a not, little, not anyone that, you know, <laughs> right. Not anyone that, you know, no, you specifically not a client, know. <laughs> but like, let's say like you're married to your wife for 15 years and all of a sudden like she was in a bad car wreck and now she's unable to to have sex with her husband there can be so many things like that that shows up that's like okay now sex is not necessarily on the table right so what doing all the right things and it's not on the table and it's not on the table but you still Mm -hmm. have a sex drive and you still desire that intimacy and want to have that connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so it would be, it would be interesting to, to explore more about Jesus as a, a sexual being. I find mm-hmm. it comforting. Yeah. To think of him that way. Just kind of, obscures the Sunday school Jesus, you know, with white Jesus mm-hmm. with perfect hair right. and perfectly straight white teeth. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, uh, that's cultural Jesus. no, that's not, okay. that's not, that's not Jesus. That just makes him more real and more approachable mm-hmm. uh, for me. And yes, better to marry than to burn is a is is not an imperative i i don't see that i i see that as a this is a viable option for you you can get married yes and that is an option and it is it totally is this is not to minimize the beauty of marriage and sexuality and marriage right at all and not even to um really even get into like a sexual ethic obviously because there are so many reasons why someone wouldn't have sex that don't have to do with a sexual ethic mm-hmm. and i'm just thinking of uh how many sermons have been preluded by the white pastor who's married with three kids who says i know that i'm a pastor married with three kids and it doesn't really help that I'm telling you not to have sex until you're married, but I'm going to tell you not to have sex until you're married. <laughs> Proceeds to, to teach this sexual ethic, knowing not that, I mean, you should address it for sure, but knowing that that's not something that particular person has to deal with. And one thing that I do think that the church is getting better at in terms of talking about sex is I do think that there is a more a movement toward at least acknowledging that it's hard and creating space for lament and grief and I don't think that was not the case for sure when I was in high school for mm-hmm. sure in early 20s Absolutely. it was just get married just get married and now i think the church is doing a little pivot where it's like 
we have to acknowledge that this is hard. We have to create space to grieve. Absolutely. But then it still ends there. It just it's better than nothing, but yeah. it ends there. And that's that's just that's just yeah. it. Um ends this conversation. Yes, exactly. It just ends. We because we believe that there's something more. Yeah. I believe there's something more. Yep. I believe that as a human being, Jesus embraced his full sexuality even though he wasn't having sex i believe that yes there is grief and there is lament and there's there's that part of it too as i'm thinking about my story around 29 years old i realized that there was like something wrong with my sexuality due to now i i know due to purity culture an extreme version of purity culture in the specific community that I was in and then also sexual trauma so I knew that there was something wrong and that was due to I believe just hyper control because Mm -hmm. that was what protected me and hyper control of my emotions growing up in an abusive home was what protected me I, I was so wound so tight but I killed this whole side of myself, my whole sexuality, anything to do with it. And it was a twofold thing, beginning to heal in other places and being able to name that I uh, had experienced abuse and trauma growing up and and starting to heal holistically, which, so there was a healing from the sexual side and then there was a healing just in general. And so I feel like my journey since then, and that was probably around the time when I first started seeing a therapist and has been this pursuit of sort of integrating or reintegrating, I guess I should say, my sexuality into the rest of me, basically. Mm-hmm. I guess when I think of ways to exercise sexuality or to embrace your full sexuality when you're not having sex, I think of these these things and these these things that I'm doing to reintegrate. And so I would say in this discussion, like I'm in the middle of it, mm-hmm. very much in the middle of this discussion. I'm not in the I have arrived place. I'm just I'm de- definitely still learning and still exploring. But uncertain podcast is called uncertain for a reason. Because I think in some circles, there's this, you have to have it right. You know, we got to have it. We have to answer it with the Bible. We got to answer it with this doctrine. And we got to answer it with this particular interpretation of this thing to make it say this. And and so we're hyper-focused on on getting it right, which I think is probably one of the reasons why we don't address this is because we don't have an answer and we don't know how to get it right. And so we're just not going to talk about it, which is pretty normal. Absolutely. I think that it's, it makes sense to be in the journey and it makes sense that there are so many questions and that the church may struggle to enter into this conversation because there aren't particular scriptures that address the in-between. So let's look at the the gray period of being in this tension Mm -hmm. per se and 
I think that you're spot on that when, especially in conservative cultures, I've had a lot of friends and people that I know leave the conservative culture because they felt like that they're, and it, and there's a lot of truth to this, that their sexuality was, was not allowed to come out, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether they end up in the LGBTQ community to find refuge, whether they end up moving in with their boyfriend because they feel like that that's important to experience before getting married. There was not room for this, these conversations in the conservative culture. Mm -hmm. They had to leave it in order to, to have people who would enter in with into this conversation of, of Mm -hmm. sexuality and of your, like your sexualness. Mm -hmm. Even in my own personal life, a lot of the times when I, you don't get to do anything with your body. And then I pendulum swung and was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to sleep around with everybody because I don't know what to do with my sexuality. And I like, there was not conversations except for don't have sex, you know, really it was like, like, don't touch a, don't touch a boy. But, um, if we're honest, uh, you know, so like, it, like I, I pinned not even with a finger, right? No, you were sitting <laughs> if you do, right. out of the side of your eye, no direct eye contact, peripheral, peripheral people, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it's like, I think the pendulum swung was like, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do in my late teens and early twenties with my sexual side of Heather. Mm-hmm. And so similar to you in, in the, in the wave, still riding the wave, trying to honor that my body and mm-hmm. my mind and my, my emotions, that all of that connectivity holds my sexuality, that it's still connected to me and that that's not a bad thing, Mm-mm. that it is not bad that my sexuality is what it is. And what is it like to explore that and to, to know that that's a part of being a creation Mm -hmm. and that it was intentional and that when I watch a movie that's got a, you know, really handsome man in it, like the rock and (laughs) (laughs) he's still your type. You know, like that, that it is okay that like my body reacts to that because like, that's, that's a part of being a, a, a human. Mm-hmm. And, and for so long, especially lit when I was smaller, any sort of arousal or butterflies in my stomach or like reaction in my, in my sexual being towards another human I like would freak out and mm-hmm. would try to shut that down and be like, that's so scary mm-hmm. and became really scared of my sexuality. Absolutely. And so this conversation is really important to have mm-hmm. so that there is space, there's room to be curious and explore what it 
means to be a sexual being. You brought up an excellent point. It's almost like we're only given two options. If you've got these sexual urges, then you got to get them out somehow. And Christian conservative culture says get married. Not Christian conservative culture says just have sex. Like, what's the big mm-hmm. deal? I think that can be very problematic when that's like our only option, just have sex. Just join with another human. And ha- I mean, I say sex, I'm, I'm speaking of join with another human, have intercourse. I know there's so much more involved in sex than just intercourse, but for the sake of our conversation, that's what I'm going to call it. And so that can lead to, it can lead to very poor choices if that's your only outlet for your sexuality is having sex. It could lead to being in a relationship that's not healthy. It could lead to hookup culture. It could lead to any number of things if the physical act of intercourse is the only option, right? only thing to do with your sexuality. So this is covering a huge span of people. I didn't realize how important this, well, I knew how important this conversation is. I'm like, wow, this is like even more important than I thought it was. Wow. Yeah. So I have, I made a list of some things that I have been doing to, my body has been so, such a huge part of my healing journey. And I just, I remember like one of my first therapists, I've had many, one of them saying to me, just like noticing how controlled I was, just like, you know, just like so tense and so controlled. And this therapist said, uh, that control over your emotions, over your, your, yourself, it was, it served you when you were in an unsafe Absolutely. place. It yeah. served you when you were in an abusive home. You don't need it anymore. Yeah. You can say, thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for protecting me, but I don't need you anymore. And that was very revelatory for me of just like, if I were to go to a place to acknowledge that this control was maybe damaging and unhealthy to be able to say, oh, but it did serve a purpose and I did need it for a time. And that was my body being good and protecting me and, and keeping me safe in a very dangerous situation where my body was not safe. My physical being was not safe for I would say most of my life. And so having to acknowledge that and then reintegrate my body and let my body be healthy. I think it started for me with yoga and I started doing yoga for Mm. sleep because I was having trouble sleeping, Mm. probably due to built up trauma in my body, dealing with insomnia and high stress, high stress world that I was living in. And so I started doing yoga for sleep and uh, just, it just helped me become aware of my body because there's so much of yoga. Now there's some versions of yoga that are much more 
like physical and for fitness. So there's that version of yoga. But what I am more into in yoga is the stuff that is holistic. That's in involving your mind. It's involving your spirituality. It's involving your emotions. It's involving your body and, and really addresses how everything is integrated and connected. And just something that you and I talked about was trauma stored in the hips. Actually, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? About yeah, of like pelvic places or places you store trauma in your body. Bring your expertise. Absolutely. So we do store a lot of trauma really all over our bodies. And especially, you know, let's say it really like it can depend on the situation. Let's say you are in a car accident, you know, you may have a lot of tension in in your chest from when you're, you know, with your seatbelt and it, the seatbelt tightens and it hits that. And it's like, oh, like any sort of movement that my body does post car wreck, it can feel the same as I was in the car wreck. Mm. So that trauma has now been trapped in your body, in your physical body, even though, even though cognitively, you know, that you're safe, mm. even though cognitively, like, let's just say like nobody was hurt, all these different things, your body still doesn't necessarily know that. It doesn't necessarily know that until it starts to experience safety. That's a very big difference than telling somebody that they're safe. Mm -hmm. They have to experience safety, something that is different from what they experience when they we're traumatized. Mm. So we see this a lot in sexual abuse victims, rape victims. There'll be a lot of tension all over their bodies. There's a lot of tension in their, in their pelvis, their pelvic floor, because of the types of trauma that they endured. So even if they're with, you know, the sweetest person in the world who like loves them dearly, and who wants to intimately connect with them in this like beautiful way, their bodies still may not understand that. Their bodies may still react in this like tightening, panicky, freezing safety mechanism, really, because it feels similar to hmm. their trauma even though their current partner is not doing anything wrong. So partners out there who are, (laughs) who have, who have, you know, partners who are, who have been traumatized, especially sexually, like their bodies just don't know that, that you're safe yet. Mm -hmm. They haven't worked through that yet through the system. So that's why there are very, it's very important for people who have gone through sexual trauma or really, I'm just going to say trauma in general, that your body is a big key to healing Mm -hmm. and that what you have experienced as a person, you know, Bessel talks about that in his book, body keeps the score. Um, Peter Levine, the founder of somatic experiencing goes through all of that in waking the tiger, all of his other books about healing from trauma is because our, our bodies, they just store everything. And that's a part of that safety protector mechanism that we have as people 
as humans. So being able to work with your body as you are processing your trauma is a huge part of the healing so that not only your mind, but your body starts to experience safety and can move through the survival cycle into this reorganization. Your body starts to reorganize itself and learn to differentiate between the trauma that was in the past and what's happening now in the present. But that differentiation comes from working with the body. It's so fascinating. It's very, oh, it'd be super disorienting for someone who grew up in purity culture who was taught to kind of hate your body. Yes. Let's just acknowledge that right now. We were taught to hate our bodies, especially women. We were taught to hate our bodies. I think men got it a little, little easier. They were expected to be sexual. Um, women, like, cover your body, hide your body, wrap your body, you know, don't, don't cause men to stumble. Don't arouse men, you know, don't. And, mm -hmm. and so we were kind of conditioned to see our body as dangerous. So then if we need to work on loving our bodies and, and listening to what our bodies are telling us mm -hmm. and reintegrating our bodies into our entire way of living and honoring our bodies and caring for our bodies when we were told to our bodies are dangerous that's not going to happen overnight that's going to be something that we have to to grow into and mm -hmm. I think that that's where yoga has really helped me to just oh there's just so many like YouTube videos and classes where they just their posture is just so like be kind to your body thank your body, tell your body, thank you. Listen to your body. You know, don't, don't do this. If this, if this is uncomfortable, try this, you know, just, just this kindness posture towards the body. And I think that that just has really helped me in that reintegration because sexuality is part of the body. It's a, mm -hmm. the human, human part. Did you want to say anything more about that? I mean, sometimes being able to find things like yoga is really helpful in knowing, you know, kind of where, where you are with your body, even being able to do breath work mm -hmm. and help you notice, can I tolerate being in my body mm. without even going into your traumas, without even going into the past mm -hmm. to invite this curiosity to be like, can I tolerate my body? Mm -hmm. And if you come out of that and the answer is no, or the answer is I disconnected or I couldn't stick with it or fill in the mm -hmm. blank, then that gives you a glimpse into how often are you truly connected? Ooh. How often are you actually connected to your body, connected to yourself? Mm. Or if it's, or if they're, you know, or are you in a forward focused or a past focused mindset? Ooh. Doesn't allow you to be present. Ooh, presence. Presence. I think that's a good one. I'm actually going to add that to my list. Presence. Being present. Yes. How are we present here? How are we present in our bodies right now? Even just like the curiosity of you're like talking about, like, whoa what's up? Like, yeah. hey body, what you doing? Yeah. Just, just be present with it. Something that I discovered a couple years ago 
I don't think it's a couple years ago. I think it was a long time ago. I love theater and yes. live theater. And a few times I have been to see uh, live theater by myself. It's cheaper. So I can get a seat usually like closer to the front. So I'm not like distracted by the audience. The energy of the actors is coming off the stage. I can feel the energy as I'm surrounded yeah, by yeah. this audience. I'm by myself. So I'm not thinking about what anyone else is thinking. And the few times that I have done that, oh my gosh, Heather, like ecstasy, mm-hmm. joy, yeah. like electricity, just like coming off of my body. We can call it pleasure. It's like pure yes. ecstasy. It's just so, I don't know. And like every sense is ignited, I would say. Just like, you know, visual senses, your auditory senses, like physical senses, like every sense I feel like emotions are involved. just like utter pure joy, happiness in that moment. Someone might not have that same reaction to being in a theater, but I think art can play a huge role in this. Absolutely. Uh, art, art is so sensory, you know, visual art, music, performing art, poetry, a really well-crafted novel. I think that it can just involve so much of your senses and just ignite everything. And I think that art is the is the runt of the family. I think in the church, like we don't, we don't acknowledge how powerful that is yeah. in our healing journey in, and in, in being present and be just like in this moment of this music or this like visual piece that I'm looking at, we kind of miss how vital that is to humanity. I think that very much goes into our creative expression. Mm-hmm. And so as you talk about art, like you, I can even tell in your own body language because we're zooming that like, there's this like lift and excitement. Woo! Yeah. Like that is a place where you are so connected and it's just beautiful. And then, you know, I have a couple of friends who love to garden and mm. as they get into the dirt and the soil and they're connecting to the earth, like that is their ecstasy. And so being able to, to, to be adventurous and be like, okay, what, what brings all of my senses together? Ooh, what? that's a good question to ask. No, yeah. yeah. Cause when all your senses are connected, then, then you are present. You're fully human. And so like, for me, when I'm at the ocean, yes, I am so fully present. And in a, in a split second, if you ask me to picture the ocean, I can, start to taste the salt in my mouth Mm -hmm. and I can feel the sand Mm -hmm. all over my body and I can hear the birds and the waves and feel the light breeze or feel the, the, the beaming sun and, and just see this like magnificent ocean i'm kind of obsessed with oceans this magnificent ocean that's like that i can't i can't wrap my head around it's so vast and beautiful and and what is it like for you to feel connected to yourself to your own body to your breath to your emotions yeah i love that question that you asked where are all of my senses engaged it can be anything for anyone right but to find that thing for you that engages yes. your senses and just brings you joy and brings yeah. you pleasure. 
Yeah. And I think in the church, we're all about self-denial and mm-hmm. abstinence, not just from sex, but just from so many things. And, and that's, there's so many good things about that, but there's a beautiful pleasure, loving, you know, kind presence that's yes. also a part of our journey and our humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think if we were in that more, especially talking to the purity culture people, we wouldn't see sex as the ultimate end goal. And that is one of the damages of purity culture is that it, it was like the answer to everything. It was communicated to me that marriage was the answer to everything. Praise God. I didn't get married when I was 21 because if I got married when I was 21 and I believed that, Oh, I would have been in for a huge, 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 huge rude awakening, even if I had married the healthiest human being on earth. But I think if we can just, you know, just, yeah, it's like we have everything we need to feel that pleasure and presence and mm-hmm. uh, joy and, and where we are. Another thing that I've been trying to do lately, because I always, I always work while I'm eating, like during mm-hmm. breakfast, during lunch, during dinner, I'm always like on my phone or working on my computer, you know, it's just always working while I'm eating. And I've been trying lately to sort of commit to when I eat dinner, instead of like doing something else while I'm eating, just taking that however long it takes me to eat my meal and, and not have my phone and just like taste every bite and just be present with this food and enjoy this food. This meal be present here. Mindful eating (laughs) during, during dinner time. I think that that's been a sensory engagement. Another thing that I've been also doing doing lately is so <laughs> I've been dancing for workouts. So fun. I love it. And I'm like, I'm talking like Rihanna, Kate West, <laughs> yeah. TJ Khaled, like that kind of like, like very sensual, very just like, and it's been so beautiful. And I was just really just looking for a fun way to exercise. Cause I'm like, I'm so bored. I'm just so trying to mix things up a little bit, but I have been having so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we always like danced and grouped off as a family, but like, as a family, it was fine. But like, if you got into public, it was like, don't shake your hips. Like, don't, don't bounce. Cause your boobs are going to bounce. And it's so fun. I'll just be like grinning, like ear to ear. I know I look like an idiot, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Cause my body is moving and it does. And it involves like, it involves emotion. It involves your mind. It involves mm-hmm. your whole body moving and it's been really, 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 really fun. Mm-hmm. And then just another step in the journey for me of just like, let my body do its thing. Like mm-hmm. it's there. It's smart. It, it's, uh, it's sensual. Yes. It's alive and yeah. let it feel alive in those moments. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, it makes me think of like, So one of the things that I, that like really connects me and I mean, it took a long time to get there just with my own trauma and my own journey, but safe touch Hmm. and having your body experience safe touch. So I see a massage slash Reiki master massage therapist who like does energy work and it's like really fantastic. And 
And something that I've noticed is like my body doesn't get enough touch. Mm. And so it doesn't know what to do when it craves touch. Mm. And, you know, being a single, you're not going to have that touch experience. And so being able to go to a massage therapist and allow somebody to care for my body in a safe way. Mm-hmm has been really, and it took me a long time to like find somebody that I was safe with. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of that type of a journey. It's not something that I'm just doing on my own by myself. Mm-hmm. My body experiencing safety through safe touch, through a massage therapist who really can read my body, knows like the, the spots that don't feel comfortable for me and the spots that do and has a lot of respect for my body and works with me in that way has been really life-giving mm-hmm. and for her to be able to say like, yeah, like I'm noticing that this is where your tension is, or I'm noticing that like your body's really inflamed. Whoa. You know, being able to, to help me actually learn to read my body mm. has been really helpful she said some things before that are just beautiful of like, so I hold a lot of tension like right here in my chest. Mm. And there's one time that she just stopped doing the muscle work that she was doing and just like put her hand here. Mm. And she was like, she, you know, was like, I just want you to notice what you're feeling because right now I'm feeling very sad and I was welling up too. And she was like, I think your sadness got some sadness trapped here. And so that's something to, to really notice that you might have some sadness trapped here. And I, and I felt that in my body, like as she was working, not that it hurt. So I was welling up, but like, whoa, like some sort of sad emotion is happening. Not really sure what that's about. And the fact that she could read that too. She felt the sadness in your body. sadness in my body. She could put her hand on your chest and feel sadness. Yeah. That is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then that connection with another human. Bingo. Mm. We connected. We were there in the moment. Her hand is on my body. And... You know, I could feel the tears coming Mm. and it was just really, yeah, just really remarkable that she could be that in tuned with me Mm. and it not be sex, like it not be sex, Yeah, but it's still, she's still that in tuned with my body, with my being as a person. Mm. And so that was just something that's been really impactful over the past. That's amazing. Yeah. It reminded me of two things. First, what is the name of the book that you recommended to me? The burnout burn is it called burnout? It is. Here it is. Burnout. Burnout. They have two two means of completing the stress cycle is a good cry and belly laughter. Yes. And so when you were talking about just like the sadness of like, and that just goes into that being present and being aware of your body. And like, I think that there are times and like, I don't have a good cry and I freaking need one because I'm so wound up. 
And then just like laughter. If I think something's funny on TV while I'm like by myself, especially, I'm like, I'm gonna let myself laugh. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but <laughs> I'm gonna let myself laugh. And if it, and if I'm still laughing and the movie's going on, I just pause the movie and I just let myself complete laughing. Yes. And then we move on. So I think that that could potentially help too, especially in, in dealing with pent up tension of, emotions that aren't able to be released because we're not in a certain type of relationship. And then that also just reminded me, oh, one of the worst lies of fundamentalist culture is that that intimacy is only appropriate within marriage. Oh my gosh, that's such a lie. We can have intimacy, emotional intimacy in other relationships. And I'm so grateful that I have a few friends who are just like heart relationships, you know, yeah. and you were talking about this woman being able to like sense that you were sad mm-hmm. just by touching you. And I have people in my life who can, who can sense where I am yes. because they know me so well. And it is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and to get to that place requires some pretty significant courage and vulnerability. And it's not for every, like that doesn't get, given to everyone and and it takes time and it takes work but I think that that can be a huge balm to loneliness Mm -hmm. whatever the circumstances poor marriage a sexual orientation that's making intimacy difficult just to find intimacy not limit ourselves to intimacy within a marriage relationship and I and I will say that I know people who think that that's dangerous. I'm not speaking to them right now. (laughs) I'm speaking to the people who like that intimacy of just uh, like you were just saying, someone who can sense where you are and maybe reflect you back to you, which I think is one of the beautiful things that comes out of a healthy marriage. And just thinking of a friend of mine and how, how she's experienced a ton of trauma in her life and, and how much her husband reflects what she's experiencing and and can ask her these questions about what's going on in this very like astute very wise way and how that's like a very beautiful picture of a healthy marriage where like you're reflecting to each other and you're when you're reading each other and you're with each other in those emotions that does not have to just be a marriage like that can that can come from other relationships and should continue even if you do get married. Exactly. My personal opinion. We kind of touched on lament and grief a little bit, and I think it's worth addressing. Yeah. Just that the longing, it's real. It's so real. The real longing for that, that commitment, the desire for sex when you're not having sex, that's a real thing and it can be very painful can be very very hard Mm -hmm. and I think we don't have the greatest space for grief and lament in the church we're getting better at it Mm -hmm. I think just as a way of embracing our sexuality when we're not having sex is to just acknowledge that it's hard and and be sad and be willing to call up one of those intimate friends and say it's really hard right now and let someone be in that with you make spaces for 
that to be an okay conversation to have and, and start working towards a more open discussion in general about sex and sexuality. So it's okay to say that it's hard. You're not a sex addict no. if, you're, if you're struggling. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think this lament and grief can show up in any relationship. There's lament and grief with when like you and your spouse are not connecting mm-hmm. and then you're not having sex. Or if you are, it might just be in the, like doing the motions. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually this beautiful, intimate connection. As when I name sex, you know, yes, it is about intercourse, but there's also this really deep connection piece mm-hmm. with it too. Mm-hmm. Of like, this person sees me and they know me, and I can be completely vulnerable with them and feel safe and insecure. And I, I can, I have this oneness that that we are in this moment and, and our bodies and our systems really crave that. And at the same time, it could be very terrifying to Mm. be in a relationship like that, to, to experience that. So it may feel even easier to be like, yeah, I'm not connecting when I'm having sex or I'm not connecting when people want to be emotionally intimate with me because that's so terrifying and I'm so scared. And I think even grieving and lamenting and like being in the fear Mm. and allow somebody to know that you're afraid of being seen, that you're afraid of, of being known, whether that's through the physical act of sex and connection or through the emotional intimacy or through people like, reaching out and saying, Hey, I want to know you. That can be very terrifying and make us feel like we have to put our walls up and we have to be on guard. And what if this is just a joke or Mm -hmm. something that's not real? And so being able to, to notice in your bodies when you feel that those protectors come online and be like, Ooh, this feels uncomfortable or intolerable. That gives you a lot of insight into oh, where am I when it comes to connection? Mm. Where am I when it comes to vulnerability? Yes, I might be having sex with my partner, you know, three or four times a week. Am I there? Mm -hmm. Am I connected? Mm -hmm. You know, or being single and being like, yeah, like, you know, my, my body desires to have sex, but it's also scared to death about when that might happen. Yep. And I don't know what to do with these conflicting feelings or they seem like they're conflicting. Mm-hmm. And for us to be able to have space as we're grieving and lamenting to, to acknowledge, yeah, and there might be some fear in there. Mm-hmm. There might be a part of you that's afraid of that deep connection because mm-hmm. you might've been really hurt in the past. Mm-hmm. with people who were supposed to deeply connect to you. And so going back to trauma is in the body. Wow. Okay. So I want to go through them. I wrote them all. I wrote them all down. So ending the episode, I want to go through what we came up with. These are some suggestions for embracing our full sexuality when we're not having sex. So participating in some sort of activity that engages 
all of the senses, art, going to the beach, eating a really good meal, dance, yoga, I guess, could be, could be part of that. Then presence, which could be felt in that full senses activity, but just like practicing presence and being present in, in our bodies, you know, listening to our bodies, being aware of our bodies, Mm -hmm. lament and grief when that's hard, it's okay to acknowledge that it's hard and maybe involve someone else in that and tell them I'm struggling right now and be able to grieve this loss of something that we want, but we can't have. Then community and intimacy within community that are not necessarily intimate partners, enjoying intimacy in relationships that are maybe not a marriage relationship or a dating relationship. And those are, those are the things that we came up with in this spontaneous conversation. <laughs> Love it. Anything else that coming to mind for you? This? Man, I mean, this was really good. I feel like this is only the beginning of this conversation. Yes. You know, like probably need a part two, part three, so on. Yes. An entire yeah. podcast. About uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just excited that this conversation has started. And I think that being able to just have a place where there are people who are talking about mm-hmm. sex and sexuality and being able to enter into those spaces is just really important. And it brings us a lot of, once again, more connection to self. For sure. We're not trying to divide ourselves into just what a particular culture is asking that we're actually embodying a more holistic living and living out what it is like to be a human. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for entering into this conversation. (laughs) We, we needed to have this conversation. Oh my gosh. Like seriously. I'm so (laughs) glad that, that you asked. It was great. And I like, Look forward to us having more and more of these. Yeah. People will be able to bring these questions and curiosities into their own communities, into their own right. support bubbles, is what <laughs> is what's happening right now in COVID. This was so fun. Yeah. I feel amazing right now. Like you said, where this is just the beginning of the conversation and just the beginning. we're just in, in the waters right now. But we're swimming. We are. And we're acknowledging that there is water that we're swimming in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Heather. I'm so excited about this. I thought I would feel so stupid after this conversation, but I actually feel great about it. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. I hope you have a good evening too. Thank you. I'll talk to you there. Bye. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you next time.